This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Veterans Affairs Department is getting ready for a big expansion of health care and benefits thanks to the PACT Act. It all gets underway at the start of the new year. The VA saw its fair share of challenges in 2022, though, like the rocky start of its electronic health record and a thud when plans to modernize its network of facilities fell flat. Joining me for a review of all things VA, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Jory, it has been a busy year for Veterans Affairs, especially for implementing that PACT Act, which really got started last year. Give us the progress report so far. Yeah, I mean, the start of the new year is really going to be the go time for the VA in terms of implementing this big, big expansion of health care and benefits for veterans. Under the PACT Act, it's estimated that it's going to bring about 3.5 million additional veterans into VA care in the coming years. What we've seen so far is claims coming in in the hundred thousands, a little over 100,000 at this point, probably closer to 200,000 at this point. And it is really going to be a big push for VA in terms of its workforce to get this done. And they've implemented some technology tools as well to help supplement that. But in terms of readiness, the VA has said that they are ready to go. They have started to process claims even before the start of the new year for some cases, veterans who are terminally ill and time is of the essence for them to get care. They have already begun processing some of those claims, but The other exciting thing is that VA has implemented all of the regulations that went in behind the PACT Act, things like additional hiring authorities, additional pay and bonus authorities to help recruit a new generation of healthcare workers. They did that in hyperspeed. They did that in a much faster time than the federal rulemaking process normally goes. So fair to say they made progress in hiring people. That's been a bugaboo for VA now for several years with tens of thousands of openings. But would you say then in the past year they've made tangible progress? It's one of those cases of progress made, but more progress needed. They are looking at a hiring goal in terms of the healthcare side of things. 52,000 healthcare workers for this fiscal 2023 year. The VA says by all accounts they're on track with that. But just given the state of healthcare in this country now, healthcare workers are at a premium. And so the VA is doing everything they can to make their agency the most attractive place for these people to work. And, you know, we heard from the Undersecretary for Health this year, Sharif Elnahal. He told me that hiring and onboarding is his number one priority on the job. And case in point, late this year, they had this big onboard surge where they onboarded and completed all the onboarding steps for about 13,000 prospective hires. The problem here is not just getting people in the door, but getting them on the job. There are so many prospective hires where VA is interested in them, but they need to go through all the background checks and all of the drug tests and all the verifying the certifications that it can be time to hire. It can be close to 200 days at this point. So that's something they're very frustrated at and something they want to troubleshoot going forward. Yeah, you just don't want to hire bums, even though you can get somebody in in five days. They have to be the right person, someone that's trustworthy. And, of course, everyone they hire is going to deal with the eventually the new electronic health record, not-so-new project now. It dates back to the early days of the Trump administration. And they had a rollout in a limited way in the past year, and uh, not so good, some mixed bags there. Bits and starts is the phrase that I uh, think of when I think of EHR. They had a couple of rollouts this year, but there were some pretty concerning IG reports that rolled out as well at some of the earliest 
go lives of this EHR, things that led to harm in patient care. And so the VA took that very seriously. They had a full stop on future go lives at one point in this year, and they are looking to resume those go lives in the summer of 2023. Congress has a lot of thoughts about this. They, in this omnibus, did continue to fund the electronic health record rollout. They gave a $1.7 billion budget for this, which is more than $700 million below the president's request for this EHR go live. And they said that they are, they understand that VA needs to go forward with this, but lawmakers are very, very concerned just given the problems that have occurred with the EHR. And they want constant updates on this. They want quarterly updates and they want VA to really keep them in the loop on whether this can realistically go forward, particularly the House VA Committee incoming chairman, Mike Bost, he has been very skeptical about this uh, EHR, and he will likely make this a priority for his chairmanship going forward. Right. Alna Hall says they are going to continue with it. And we've seen this pattern so many times. The agency gets deep into a big project that's complicated like this. Things start to slide sideways in a budget and delivery schedule since Congress starts to get worried about it. They don't give the agency as much money as the agency says it needs, and so nobody can really answer what the right amount of funding to get it done is. And no one can really say whether they're throwing good money after bad. These things tend to not get canceled very often. So it looks like the EHR, then you would say, is going to continue? It does seem like it's going to continue. VA Secretary Dennis McDonough has made it pretty clear that if he doesn't see this benefiting VA care, if this doesn't seem like a net positive for that VA care, he will pull the plug on this. But he says so far that threshold hasn't been crossed in his mind. One other kind of check that Congress has put on the EHR going forward is in this omnibus, they passed the VA IT Reform Act, something that upcoming Chairman Bost has championed. It would require the VA to submit to Congress a cost estimate schedule and performance goals for all major IT projects going forward. It's not just EHR that Congress has been disappointed about in terms of VA's major acquisitions. And what's interesting is this is actually data that VA is already submitting to the Office of Management and Budget. So it's not being asked to do anything new or novel here. It's just sharing that information, sharing that transparency with Congress so that they know whether they're throwing as you say good money after bad or actually investing in something that can work. Do we know whether the IT dashboard operated by OMB and the CIO Council has up-to-date information on that project and whether anyone in Congress has the link to look at the IT dashboard. I'm asking rhetorically, of course. You know, it just it does seem strange to see the language that Bill spelled out and and that there hasn't been as easy a look for Congress into this information, even though the administration might have some insights on that. All right. So lots has happened to VA in the past year and continuation in 2023. And a final question, Jory, the Air Commission, which was like the BRAC type of process for VA, fell flat and they mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And now there are fresh efforts to modernize VA facilities. How did that all go and what can we expect that to lead to? Yeah, the Senate really let the air out of the Air Commission in this case. Dozen senators, a bipartisan block of senators, prevented this Air Commission from ever being seated. They never proceeded with the nomination of any of the commissioners to that board. 
And the Congress is now backing a second effort from VA to rethink its infrastructure across the country. This omnibus bill gives the VA $3 billion to retrofit its facilities, build new ones. About half that spending overall is on new construction and major construction. And what's interesting is that lawmakers do say that, yes, going forward, we want the VA to modernize its facilities. The average age of a VA healthcare facility is 60 years old. But they said the focus of this plan has to be on expanding healthcare, given the PACT Act, given everything that's happened this year. And it can't be about closing facilities, which was some part of the Air Commission recommendations. They were going to close some, build new ones. And so it was going to be a rethinking of its footprint. But the focus, as VA has made clear, that the second plan will be, is going to be all about new facilities going and expanding that footprint. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out all of his VA reporting at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost... uh... Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on, a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know so often when you'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he he, he faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should you should 
why, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the stage or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so. Uh, joyful and and uh, yeah, I mean we work hard and you know we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day but uh man you see it, it and 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 the inclusion and the at special olympics no one's excluded you know no, right. no one's excluded yeah. everyone is equal at special olympics it, and you know in a country that's quite divided on so many lines politically and uh, socially uh, economically race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that won't help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Uh, and, and the thing that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together, uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think when you, when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization what mrs Tri mrs shriver was trying to do uh was to to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities and you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together we still have traditional uh teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams all intellectual disabilities but this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot i think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.